Hey, welcome everyone to Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis, and I love that you guys have joined me here today. I have a tremendous guest. She is the CEO and co-founder of Miss Grass, an online shop for all things cannabis and CBD. And she was once a butt tender, so she knows it from all angles. My guest today, the CEO and co-founder of Miss Grass, Kate Miller. Kate, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, my pleasure. My pleasure. I tell you, there's a lot of love to chat about today, but I just just start. I mean, Miss Grass is a brand. It's a brand in a very crowded, cluttered, unorganized space called <laughs> Cannabis. Let's see me Emphasize on the unorganized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that, right? Let's put the emphasis there. But you got real brand building experience from, you know, before all of this cannabis stuff, you know, with top global brands, some really cool, big, major, important brands to consumers, McLaurin Auto, Diageo, we have that in common. I worked at Diageo. Red Bull, and Red Bull's been a, a client for many years. So, look, is it, you know, Comparing building Miss Grass to supporting and help building those other brands, that's a, that's that's a different thing. And I've, I've heard that story many, many times in the in the cannabis uh, space. Give me some of the contrasts, some of the things that you you see are different or or more intensified. Yeah, well, so you know, to be honest, yeah, when I got into the cannabis space back in 2017. I looked at my experience working with brands, not just CPG brands, such as the brands that you name, but also working with incredible entertainment properties. Prior to Miss Grass, I worked at a company called Broadway Video, which was a New York-based company owned by Lauren Michaels, who's the creator and producer of Saturday Night Live, Tonight Show with yeah. Fallon, et cetera. So even thinking of, you know, Saturday Night Live, for instance, as a brand, brand, you know, the yeah. brand, and just what that brand, how valuable that brand IP is, and the ability for us to monetize that across licensing deals throughout the world, local formats throughout the world, licensing it to Tosh and do a coffee table book, you know, doing merch collections, et cetera, you know, to create valuable brand IP, whether it be an entertainment property, whether it be the Red Bulls of the world or the Diageo brands that they own in their portfolio, right. you know, ultimately, excuse me, I saw that looking into the cannabis space, I saw that that's where this industry is going. It is a CPG mm -hmm. industry like any right. other industry. And ultimately, upon maturity, brands and really valuable brand IP will drive long-term value in this space. So Absolutely. that has always been our play from day, day one is let's create a really valuable brand that is catering authentically to a extremely underserved demographic. Mm -hmm. um, and let's cater authentically to that. Let's build brand loyalty, not just within one state, but a community across the entire world. Mm -hmm. And as now these states are turning on, we can offer our THC product offering in the, you know, the states that we've already built brand loyalty in a community based there. Right. No, that's the, you're exactly right. And yeah, you started the business uh, the right way, in my opinion, is, is thinking about building brand long-term uh, strategy. You're going to build equity, and that's where the value is going to come, and that's where the opportunities come uh, in the journey. Um, 
you created Miss Grass. What was the experiences in your in your life that that you really besides the brand opportunity yeah, that that had to be a huge push for you. But what are the opportunities in your life that you thought this was a good idea and 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 you could serve the demographic you wanted to serve and accomplish the things that you thought are important. Tell me about that. Yeah, Miss Grass when when I ultimately decided to lean in and make it a full-time opportunity, it it was the perfect intersection of an, a concept and an industry and a brand that I was so personally passionate about. I love weed. I've always loved weed and I'll get to that. You know, meets the business opportunity. I could finally at that time in 2017 when I, you know, left my job in New York in the entertainment space to move back out to Los Angeles and pursue Miss Grass full time, it finally felt to be the right time. Maybe I was a little early now looking back, but it, you know, it, it did finally feel like it was the perfect intersection of business opportunity mm-hmm. meets my passion. From a personal side, and I'll speak a little bit to kind of, you know, your question of mm-hmm. my own life, what my journey to get me to Miss Grass. I'm a Jersey girl, born and raised. Um, again, have always loved weed. So growing up from the very first blunt I smoked, it was for me, I, I always preferred weed over alcohol. I was always that friend who had it, rolled it, you could get it from me. Yeah. Uh, my brother, who was a year older than me, was arrested for cannabis distribution and manufacturing his senior year of high school. I was a junior year in the same high school. Okay. So that moment was a take a step back aha moment for me of, of really double clicking into understanding this plant and its history much more than I had ever even thought of prior to that. Fast forward, I graduated high school. I moved out to California to attend uh, college and California had a medical program at the time. So seeing what my brother had gone through and how cannabis was portrayed in, you know, Jersey and, and beyond moving out to California where it was integrated into Cali culture and walk into a medical dispensary and have access to a plethora of products and form factors. I was just blown away. So I decided, you know, got to get into the industry again way too early. This is 2007. Uh, So my junior year of college, I worked as a bud tender at a medical dispensary in downtown Los Angeles. That ultimately is what planted the seed that Miss for Miss Grass that ultimately you know came to be a decade later. But I bought the URL on GoDaddy then MissGrass.com. Really? So it hit you then? Hit you know, then. almost eight nine years before a decade. Reality, yeah, yeah, a decade before it hit you that I'm going to own this because one day this may be useful in my journey. For sure. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not going to lie. I was that friend who had high thoughts and would buy GoDaddy URLs thinking that they would be valuable and had a, they were growing cobwebs on it. But hopefully Miss Grass is one that I'll look back on and be like, that was a good, a good grab at that time. Um, But yeah, the seed was planted then, especially at that time, there wasn't a brand that authentically catered to myself or the many people in my life who were consuming this plant a bit more, you know, intentionally. 
Yeah. Uh, I would go to work. I'd work at the dispensary. We were selling a bunch of shape. We were, you know, we learned how to roll cross blondes at work. Um, everything really leaned into, especially at that time, the stoner bro stigma that we all know so well associated with this. Right. Plant. Right. So I felt then, and I still feel now that there, you know, needs to be a brand that's authentically catering to a specific demographic of conscious consumers. Yeah. Yeah. You've affiliated yourself in the communities that you, you sell the product with women's prisons association with national bell out Latin, you know, the wonderful last prisoner project that, that people seem to gravitate, uh, to, and, uh, just many others, uh, trans lifeline, just, uh, et cetera. And, how does your brand interact with in these relationships? How does that fit? So a number of different ways. One, okay. cannabis equity and and supporting cannabis equity has been core to Miss Grass's DNA from day one. So we've integrated that into the growth of our business, whether that be on our online magazine. We have mm -hmm. a number of different content pieces written and amplifying stories of people who have been impacted the most by cannabis's prohibition and making sure mm -hmm. we're amplifying their stories, equipping mm -hmm. consumers with the resources and education they need to understand this history so that when they're walking into dispensary or when they're deciding to choose what product or brand to support, they're doing so with that in mind. They can vote with their dollars. They can support an equitable industry and those ultimately who build this industry who might not be have a seat at the table today. Yeah. So that's one from an educational side. Two, you mentioned a ton of different organizations, incredible organizations who are on the ground doing the work. Absolutely. Yes. We've partnered with a number of them, whether it be ongoing or kind of one-off partnerships to support from monetary donations, amplifying the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Women's Prison Association is an incredible organization that you uh, just referenced. Mm -hmm. They're run by and in support of women who have been incarcerated, many of which incarcerated for nonviolent cannabis crimes. Right. They also work with constituents beyond just cannabis. We raise now, you know, over, uh, you know, about $15,000 for the organization to support things from reentry programs to support access to health care, uh, access to career opportunities. Right. Um, so that's just one example of, of mm -hmm. a partnership that we've done. We've tied it to different events so that we can also beyond, uh, you know, just writing a check, we can make sure that we're also leveraging our brand platforms. We have mm -hmm. over 100,000 email subscribers. We have a social following on Instagram about 85 or 87,000 followers. Okay. Just making sure that we're also pushing out <clears throat> and amplifying the message so that, again, like we can activate this really powerful community to also support these incredible organizations. I, I, I love the fact that you have purpose, and that's going to really help you down the road as you continue going through this, obviously to build a brand and its awareness and, and uh, these things will be nat naturally attached to Miss Grass. And um, that that is a wonderful mission. Look, we're going to take a quick break, Kate, and we'll be right back 
and then we're going to dive into more of Ms. Grass and what's really going on there and, and actually building this, this wonderful product and beautiful brand. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and I want to thank all of you for joining us here today on Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global, my company. And I, uh, I'm really enjoying this chat with Kate Miller, who is the CEO and co-founder of a wonderful brand, Miss Grass. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today, we're having a wonderful chat, is Kate Miller. And Kate is the CEO and co-founder of Miss Grass. Miss Grass is a wonderful brand. Kate, you're building this brand. You've been at it for, it's going to be five years or so, hard uh, moving forward. What are some of the challenges that you faced that you didn't anticipate? Uh, and you're a veteran brand builder. So uh, I, I think this will be enlightening. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> well, well, honestly, there's there's something that I feel as an operator in this space that others in other more established industries just don't really need to factor into as factor into their decision making as much, which is timing. There's things that are out of our control when it when it comes to you know federal reform. Uh. What, that banking act is going to pass when you know marketing restrictions are going to open up for this space Um, a lot of building this brand has been trying to also play to or figure out timing of when some of new states are going to turn on um so that's definitely been a challenge to navigate the unknown um and it definitely you know i've made some bets of when things will turn on or when you know Safe Banking Act will will pass. And I've been wrong more times than I've been right. So. Well, you, you know, that's a big one, and I'm I'm sure that's a big one. Uh, and and the point of your of of your uh, your conversation there is that you're saying is that there's just so much more that you just cannot control that are so is so vitally important to what happens next in your business. And, you know, you brought up the Safe Banking Act. It, you know, it's the elephant in the room. We got to talk about it. Um, you know, I so many people believed it was going to happen, and they've been told. I mean, you guys were told it was going to happen, right? And, and people that are actually voting on this told you this, this thing was going to happen. And my concern is that we're, we seem to be in a fog. We come out, you know, it didn't happen. Here's the reality of the world we live in. Uh, the excitement seems to be the new markets that are open. You know, Connecticut popped. Others are coming. Jersey's, you know, relatively new. And you got Missouri, you got Maryland, you got you know, th- these other things are going to happen. But that seems to be the the excitement. And there's so many other pressures that are happening uh, that could work against uh, an entrepreneur like yourself. How are you feeling about 2023? I run optimistic. So, yeah. you know, despite some of these things that really would have been transformational for this industry as a whole, if, you know, once they do pass, 
yeah. despite them not going through at the end of last year. And I think many people were relying on that and felt it was a sure thing. Um, you know, despite that, you named a bunch of incredible states that are turning on and have really strong markets. This industry today is a massive industry with such great potential. We're in five states right now, active, operational, many of which are some of the newer ones. We launched what are they? What? Where are you now? What are the five that California, Nevada, Illinois, Massachusetts, and New Jersey. Okay. Okay. So we're in five markets. Mm-hmm. We're turning on more. The next one will we'll go in March. Uh, okay. So there's still a lot of from a where you know wearing my entrepreneur hat. There's still so much that we can be heads down, mad mm-hmm. growth opportunity ahead of what is turned on right now mm-hmm. is an opportunity for us to enter and continue to expand distribution, expand our product offering. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that we can do, and I try to focus on on that and some of the things that are out of our control you know i can only hope and and do our part to support right you know reform but there's there is a lot out of our control no it it is and and it's so very important it just makes things go slower than it could be uh you know how you're approaching the cbd portion of your portfolio so I, I think you, when we kicked off this podcast, you read, I would imagine, yeah. quite an old company blurb, um, because the way that we started Miss Grass, we did uh, not have our own product. So when we launched uh, in January 2018, sure. we started as a contextual commerce platform with the main intention of build, scale a community across the entire country and even around the world create brand loyalty, capture a ton of data that ultimately we used to inform what became the Missgrass product line, which wasn't until close to three years into the business. When we launched our first product, it was on the THC side. Of okay. The, the uh, CBD marketplace was an offering that we had pre-Missgrass product. We do have today a version of our hero SKU, which is Missgrass minis. They're packs of uh, mini pre-roll joints. They come with a matchbox. We have those on the THC side as well as it's the CBD. Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it on on your your site, <laughs> right? I saw that on your site. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that. The fact uh, yeah. of w- in the industry now, what's happening with the Delta products, right? Delta eight and nine, um, and. And the the vast availability of it everywhere, all over the United States, right? I live here in Texas, and and it, you know it's not even decriminalized in Texas, THC and and the hemp version, the Delta products are everywhere. I live in Austin; it's everywhere. So, you know, how is that affecting what you do? Is there a strategy for you to participate? I mean, how are you looking at that part of the business? It's a great question, honestly, something that I'm surprised not more people are talking about in our space. Yeah. How Delta 8 and the cannabinoids that are extracted from the hemp plant is federally legal. You can sell it outside of a legal dispensary. You can sell it outside of a legal state. You know, it's it's everywhere. Um, And the reason I'm very surprised, particularly from the timeliness of that conversation that no one is 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 really having in at least in the circles that I run around is the hen bill is up for review this year. Um, and the hemp bill, which passed in 2018, yes. the bill that 
legalized federally hemp and all of its derivatives and anything that can be extracted from and derived from the, the hemp plant, which is essentially the cannabis plant, but has below 0.3% THC. Right. Now, well, when there's a will, there is a way. That's one thing I learned. Now, you know, people have figured out that you can extract from the hemp and with a conversion process, convert it to a psycho where there's enough in there that it can convert to a psychoactive, um, you know, cannabinoid. And that's, I think, what what becomes quite dangerous for vulnerable consumers and uneducated consumers mm -hmm. when they can just walk into a bodega and not know if that product is tested, not know if it is tested, like how much they're actually consuming. Um, so I do think it's, I do think there needs to be a bit more reform and, and regulation around uh, the hemp bill. Yeah. I, and the other part of my question was, how are you looking at that as part of your strategy? As to participate, because the yeah. chances are nothing's really going to happen to the bill. <laughs> Again, I run optimistic. <laughs> yes and no. For us, mm -hmm. you know, our consumer base may be taking a bath with a CBD bath bomb, but she has a joint in her mouth. Like, okay. but our consumer base wants to consume, for the most part, THC, and they're looking to get high. They're looking to integrate cannabis into their life for a number of different reasons, whether it be sleep or pain or I'm just trying to have a good time with my girlfriends. Um, so, you know, we're definitely catering our products to who our community is and our community are like weed loving women. That's okay. one thing. On the heaven side, the way that we're viewing it at Miss Grass is it's a category um, and a, a potential product offering that we can have and ship in the mail we can ship to all 50 states mm -hmm. we cater to and provide a product offering to consumers who are loyal miss grass community members who may not have access to our products on the thc side um so we'll always have a an offering around that whether it be hemp or you know cannabis accessory and ancillary product offering that we're coming out with this year um that will be important just from a reach and accessibility perspective um, to our community. Good. That's great. I tell you what, Kate, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back and we'll talk more about some of the uh, bright spots and, and, and other complexities in your business at Mrs. Grass. And I think this, uh, Ms. Grass, I think this amazing um, a product is beautiful. Uh, you get Everyone that's listening, go on the website, check it out, order it, uh, do whatever you can uh, to support this this brand. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Kate Miller. She is the CEO and co-founder of Miss Grass. I'll see you on the other side. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back to Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. Uh, my guest today is Kate Miller, and Kate is the co-founder and CEO of Miss Grass. Uh, hey, Kate, look, 
Uh, you're doing a wonderful uh, job. W- what's your outlook for 2023? Um, how many more markets are you you seeing your business expanding into? It's a great question. So we're in five states right now. Right. We have a deal locked and loaded, and we're moving forward with launching our sixth state, which which should launch in March. Okay. Um, you know, we're in talks with several others. I would imagine between, you know, close to five, five to seven new markets that will open up this year. We big year for you. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. Big year for you. That that's gonna put you at 10, 10 to twelve markets uh when uh when we celebrate two thousand twenty four. That's great. That's that yeah. sounds that's that's awesome. You're moving forward and things are are going well. What are some of the business challenges, the fundamental things to open a new market that since you've done recently several, that you you really think the the outlook may be brighter and and uh easier or or smoother, if we could say, in opening these new markets. Yeah, well, because we've done now five, we've built an internal playbook that's a bit of a rinse and repeat. Obviously, every market has its own nuances. and It's a different country, yeah. It's a different country. It has different regulations. Yeah. Um, The market dynamics are different in terms of how many operators exist. Is Mm -hmm. there, you know, excess biomass, Mm -hmm. meaning price compression, a big factor in that space thus far? Um, is it overcrowded with number of brands that play in our categories, et cetera? So every market takes a bit of a nuanced approach given some of those dynamics that I just mentioned. Yeah. But for the most part, it is a rinse and a repeat uh, playbook that we have from pre-launch, two months before we go go live in, in a market. We start engaging the community that we've already built in that market, um, which those type of community metrics and data we use as one data input to decide whether state X is the state that we even want to launch Miss Grass. Right. Um, so we'll start yeah. engaging them. We'll start sending them higher frequency of emails. We'll start engaging with local talent and brands to also build the community further in that market. We'll launch, we'll activate that community and drive them to ultimately convert from day one for us. And then we have a playbook that goes, you know, out post launch as well. Um, so that's something that we, you know, we'll take to every single market. We look at markets, not only from where we have our community, but also the, where the market is, is really important to us. Mm-hmm. So we just launched New Jersey. New Jersey is a great example of a market with mm-hmm. the dynamics that really support a brand such as Miss Grass. If, you know, you have the opportunity to get in. There's right now, you know, a few operators that are controlling the majority of the supply chain in California. So you kind of have to hold hands with one of them. Mm. At least right now, the the market is changing dramatically as new licenses are coming online as we speak. Um, But you really do need to hold hands with them, at least right now, to provide access to your product in that market. But getting in now, which is when we did, allowed us to scale that market massively because there's there's very few products and brands in the new jersey market um so that's a good kind of dynamic that we look for for it's uh like california or michigan right now there's thousands of brands 
there's thousands of so there's so much excess biomass in the market there's massive price compression happening well yeah. um, there's a couple of those market dy- dynamics that really do you know impact our our ability to get into the state but also our appetite and excitement to get into the space no that's that's great i was going to ask you that and i think it's a good question is you know you got a market of such a mature market like california right in your portfolio uh, of markets and uh, the dynamics in California is so different than New Jersey, right? And what kind of pressure and strain does that put on your your community of of, of teams, right? You're the, the people that work for you. What kind of strain does that put on you to manage a big market like California, and you know, and you have all these relationships with MSOs and other dispensary brands to to make it all pop for Miss Grass. Yeah, I mean you you mentioned it. Like each state is almost its own country. So <laughs> each state, especially a California versus yeah. a, a New Jersey, is quite different. California is the most mature market in the world, I would say. Yeah. Um, and it's important to us in all the states that we operate, we have local on the ground Miss Grass members who are really almost like GMs of their respective markets. They are experts of the market. They have the relationships with the key stakeholders in that market who are really mm-hmm. making an impact. You know, the California market is going through a massive evolution as we speak. And it's frankly quite sad from one side. It just feels, you know, it was on the highest of a high right before COVID and now you're hearing every week of operators going out of business. Um, access tax is now falling on retailers, which will only, you know, I think we're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks. It just, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I feel inherently very sad for what's happening in the California market. From our play in California being a brand play, I do think the brands who can sustain this time and get through this period in California ultimately are just going to come out stronger. And I think what we're realizing is, is margins shrink along the supply chain because there's so much excess biomass in that market. That's right. Brands are really what's driving the value and will drive the value in that market. Yes, your brand is so associated with the plant and the quality of what someone uh, that you put in your product is, is paramount to anything right, to, to continue to create a brand that creates value. And then you you have competitors who are really building uh, brands, maybe in edibles or, or in other uh, where, you know, you, you can take a less quality uh, base of product to make a fine tasting edible, right? And, and it just seems like when you have all this price compression on the grass, Right, that you 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 would see more folks, and you, I mean, the question is: Are you seeing more folks getting, even like yourself, thinking about getting into different consumer deliverables to um, to to continue to to create value, especially in these difficult markets like California? Yeah, I mean, we built our our brand uh, to be really valuable brand IP that can expand beyond a specific form factor. Yeah. 
pre-rolls and flour are still in every single market the lion's share of the market it is you're right it is yeah but to your point you know there's definitely other categories that one are are growing um mm-hmm. but also as as you think of some of these hurdles and that mm-hmm. market upon maturity has mm-hmm. it's a category that feels you know more ownable as a brand it's a category that you know given excess biomass in every market upon maturity and giving massive price compression you know it's just a you can create a product that really does combat some of those some of those hurdles so yeah, yeah a long way of saying that mr ass is is currently, excuse me, uh, developing product beyond just pre-rolls and flour. See, I got some news out of you, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You're hurting your heard, Yeah, you heard it on Black Robins here uh, first. So, you know, when we first got into to cannabis, right, it was everybody wanted to get in it. You know, I know in, in my business, I have consumer products, you know, uh, search business. And everybody that I knew wanted to go. Now, the legal business has been out there. It's been there long enough that people are are washing in and out, right? There, people are finding that wow, this is absolutely insane. I don't want to ever touch this again. I'm out for good. And then there are people says, you know, this is crazy, and I love it. And 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 are you finding from a talent perspective, or are you finding it harder now to get? talent that wants to be in but easier to get talent that has experience yeah the the talent pool as it relates to who is interested in coming into the cannabis space from other industries or who have who has already entered the space and you know there's opportunity to you know they're looking for a job saying within the industry has definitely evolved dramatically since i got into the space in 2017 you know, to your point, it definitely takes a certain person, um, yeah. you know, and that has a, you know, a, a varying degree of risk appetite, um, given some of the unknown that this industry has from a federal legality perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the caliber of talent is just, is really strong. And we're seeing that, you know, we can, we can take two from, big alcohol, big PPG yeah. um, with startup experience too of some, you know, talent that we've recently onboarded uh, uh, at Miss Grass that, you know, in 2017, they wouldn't even entertain having a conversation with me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's quite interesting how that is, uh, that is evolving and we're, we're, we're definitely uh, seeing it, but you know, there's, you know, as a CEO of a of a of a brand uh, like yours, I'm sure one of your your qualities have to be storytelling. You have to be a good storyteller, um, and uh, that that is very attractive to folks, right? When they're looking into a business, and and um, I, I always tell you know my clients find folks uh, that. Uh, you want on the team, but they can become really good storytellers because that that's what helped you create the value and build a platform uh, is those folks that work with you that do that. So I, I think that's great. Yeah, that talent thing is changing. 
um, and you can find experience now. You can find those. You can professionalize your organization in places you want to professionalize it with talent that has experience. Mm -hmm. When you first got into it, you could professionalize it, but they didn't have experience. Mm -hmm. right? And that's, that is a huge difference now, and I think that's a big opportunity for folks who wants to continue and, and continue to take off. So this has been tremendous. I uh, love the time we spent together here. I, I can't let you go without having you, Kate, make some predictions about, as you see the industry, yeah. right, over the next year, uh, and then... Uh, some sometime later, we'll come back and we'll we'll check our list. Okay. <laughs> well, I know not to make a prediction on some of the larger things like federal legalization. I feel like I've been saying three to five years every year for the yeah, past years. that's right. Um, but yeah. you know, I think this year is going to be transformational for this for cannabis normalization, and it'll be okay. the year that I predict that more states will be recreationally legal than not. So yeah. it'll you know tilt the uh, you know, tilt more on and not on. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition, I think this is going to break be a breakout year for brands. To date, at least historically, so much capital and excitement has been poured on more of the supply chain assets in this space. A lot of yeah. element has happened for cultivation facilities, manufacturing, being vertical, and you know, owning retail. And I do feel this is the year for brands to break out and really show that the value in this space as it matures is is going right. to be in, in owning a really valuable brand IP that authentically caters to a specific consumer vertical. I'm cheering for that one. <laughs> I, I'm cheering for that because we need, the, the, you know, the energy needs to go there. The money needs to go there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am cheering for that, and that'll be great for Ms. Grass, I'm sure. I hope. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. I want to thank all of you for joining us on Plant Profits. And I want to thank my guest today, Kate Miller, CEO and co-founder of Miss Grass. And uh, Kate, you're always welcome back. I want you back. Make more news. <laughs> we got one out of you. That's good. Karen, thank you so much. No, oh, it's, it's tremendous. And I want to Thank our listening audience for joining, and you can download episodes of Plant Profits by going to CannabisRadio.com. You can get it anywhere you get a podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, all major podcast portals. We are there. Download, listen, and look for this. Look for the Miss Grass episode, um, and I'm sure you will. And thank you very much for that. And also, follow Protus Global, my company. Uh, and really uh, take a look at how we're helping build companies in the space. Take a look at how we're helping change people's lives. Then that's protisglobal.com. That's P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. Until next time, cheers. I'm Vern Davis, your host of Plant Profits. We'll see you next time. Thank you.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.